Blog Talk Radio. Urban Glory Radio. Simply Glory. For we can do nothing against the truth. Now, here's where we're going to emphasize our lesson tonight. We can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak, for ye are strong, and we are also wish even your perfection. Therefore, I write these things, being absolute, being present, I should use sharpness according to the power which the Lord has given me to edification and not to destruction. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be be one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. And we let you know that Paul was addressing the Corinthian church so that they would leave the corruption that was in the church through carnality, through uh, lack of understanding their calls, and a lack of clarity, clarity, and, and, and just quite, quite frankly, immaturity was taking place. So in the context, Paul was writing them. They got upset in the first uh, 12 chapters they wrote. He was very direct dealing with the issues that were taking place in the church, and they thought that he had just kind of stepped out of his role. And so he, he let them know, hey, I'm not addressing these issues for you to issue with me and then question whether or not I'm really for you uh, and take me back to the place where I was when before I was converted, persecuting you. I'm not writing to persecute you, but to make certain that you are qualified to, for this particular season in time, you have been placed strategically in one of the central reasons in the world to bring an impact on the generation that doesn't know the God. So if you're going to uh, really have this type of walk in the Lord, tells to see whether you're in the faith. And that's what the Lord had prompted me to admonish you. And this year, I, I, I exegeted it with three points dealing with uh, understanding how our faith outlines the, and proves, uh, uh, proves whether we really have confidence in God. Then I talked about what it meant to be uh, a reprobate, morally and unconfident. And I'm going to talk a little more about that and how that faith aligns actions to teaching conduct. And then our moral principles outlines our attitudes, behavior, and character. And then I talked yesterday about the call to be perfect, which resolves us to have absolute uh, authority, a biblical worldview, and contend for the faith that is found in the nature of Christ. And we said that Christ is uh, uh, not Jesus' last name, but indicative of the power that he carried to influence us instinctively. Write the laws of our hearts through our Holy Spirit to reveal the truth that we need to know in this time and period to walk out our Christianity by faith and not by sight. So then we, we went along and, and, and highlighted uh, uh, some scriptures, gave you seven scriptures, and then I said that, that we need to understand the virtue of if. That's what brings us into this second part. Now, now, 
we're in the first day of the year. And already, you know, you got people I've seen in social media where a lot of Christians went out partying and stuff. Some went to services, praise the Lord. They got others that know better. They they went clubbing and then they got pictures of them partying and drinking and things like that. And already, the the patterns that they have had in the past are being repeated in the present. And we've been given another year to develop a focus to achieve God's will and faith is achieving God's will. For without faith it is impossible to please him. Anyone that comes to him must believe that he is and that he's a reward of those that diligently seek him. So as we heard along in the text, I gave you uh, without explanation that that we left we left the focus text and we went into the illustrative lessons, which is which is exegeting the epistle of John. John wrote also the Gospel of John, but in his older years, uh, as he become, became an aged apostle, full of wisdom, he wrote another book. And that book is broken up into three divisions that really have contained the same message. And I think in, in this particular lesson, we're going to focus on the second division of it. Yesterday, we did a great job, and even in our exegesis of 1 Corinthians 13, the, the, the attention giver, which was the same attention giver that was given in 1 John, was that you got, to, you got to be about your faith. You got to be about your faith. You got to develop an urgency to be spirit-led. 1 John 5, 4 says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. All the trials of our faith are so that we can be found worthy of the calling of Christ, which is just being a Christian. Living in the nature of Christ. Glory to God. So in the second division, the emphasis is truth. And and I began to hit toward truth being a container of God's intent that we must seek after. Truth is a container of God's intent that we we must seek after, since he seek proof of Christ. You you got to be able to see proof of truth. And the more truth we have, the more freedom we experience in life, for it is the truth that makes us free. And the Holy Spirit also translates truth, and that's why we resolve to the power of God, the Spirit of God that allots that power, so that our faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. That's Corinthians 2. Four through six uh, is, but in the power of God. So relying on the power of God uh, causes us to have confidence in the gospel, confidence in the nature and the love of God, and it brings us to this address in Second Corinthians, where He reveals truth is going to be our defense. It's going to be our weapon of power. You know, Ephesians six reflects on truth as a part of God's armor. And God's armor means that God identifies and reveals himself. That's God's armor is God's nature. You know, we, we, we get caught up on the usage of uh, and make, try to make those armor parts a part of uh, an attempt uh, to work out our salvation. But no, on the contrary, those, those uh, eight elements of God's armor are really God's nature. This is what God uses to, defend, to, to to make himself distinctively different. And truth is that. 
truth is, truth is one of the strongest mechanisms in which God uh, uh, uses to identify himself. Hallelujah. All right. So I gave you the five things, and I said that, that the epistle of John reveals three revelations behind the dynamics of faith, resolving that the qualifier of faith is gained of the encounter with God, sharing insights on his love, his life, and, and light through the truth. And these competencies are revealed in our confession or our profession of faith, which is simply put in right behavior and belief. Now, our beliefs should dictate what our behavior is. And that's what what all the Christianity is about. If you say you believe, it should be displayed in your behavior. But this was the issue. This was an issue of truth, the retention of truth that is given. So we gave you five things that causes this confession of faith to be realized and displayed. We said that the Christian life is exemplified in conduct, that, that there is a courage to be different, and there's a crux test that contrasts between the apostates and believers, then there's certainties of faith, and then there's a covenant of love. Let's explore that tonight and then go into um, what is the significance of the virtues of if, because I want you to get an understanding of what I mean by that. Confessions of faith are contingent upon this if clause that we need to understand. Yes, we know what if means, but do we know what it means as it pertains to faith? And that's what qualifies our confession or our profession. And confession is not a memory, a memorization of words that we use repetitively to bring to bring recognition and, and insight to us. No, that's not what confession is talking about. A, a better a better term for confession is profession or professional or our public display of our right behavior and our right beliefs. That's where we get that from. So, for point number one in our lesson tonight is the Christian life. The Christian life is exemplified in our conduct. Why? Because we're trying to get the truth. Our conduct is a result of resolves given to careful thought, through careful thought. That's what it is. It is a result of resolves given by careful thought. That's what it is. What you do from day to day has been thought about. Whether you realize it or not, your steps should be ordered by the Lord. They should be ordered by the Lord. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And then that law doth he meditate on day and night. Why? Because his conduct is as a result of him being careful thoughts to right behavior and right belief. Now, if there is right behavior and right belief, there's wrong behavior and there's wrong belief. And that's what John was, was emphasizing to this church that some 70 years after the dispensation of the Holy Ghost. There, there was a lot of contradictory teachings that were infused, just like there is today. 
distortions to the concepts of grace, distortions to the concepts of the Holy Spirit, distortions even to the final authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And those distinguishing marks are realized in conduct. Look at how people exemplify Christianity today. You have people that say they, they live totally contrary to the word of God, but they profess to be Christians. And they dare you to challenge them on their conduct. If you challenge them on their conduct, they, they tell you that you're judgmental. Why? Because they, they have given careful thought to the results and the results, but they have not catered and transformed it through conversion, uh, through the conversion of Christianity. So their beliefs and their behaviors are not right. And beliefs and behaviors are predicated upon righteousness. Are you hearing me today? The second point uh, uh, that I want to make here this is that our conduct can display the investments of training that others have instilled in us. You want to examine if a person really pays attention to other people and are considerate, examine how they conduct themselves on a regular day basis. A person that has high regard for other people and are considered their conduct are exemplary. Why is that? Because they have taken time to listen to others. We follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Somebody got to teach you something. In this room here, you got to hang with people that have your answer. As Mike Freeman was saying, get away from those who have your problems. The current, the, the, the Christian life is exemplified in our work conduct. And thirdly, our conduct is what God expects for Christians to do and be unfailing. What is, why is that? Because this is the victory that overcomes. It doesn't succumb, but it overcomes the world. It's our faith. Our conduct exemplifies our faith. Hallelujah. Then, then our second point for the night is the courage to be different. You know, the courage to be different. Being different is being distinct in perceptions, patterns, and processes. See, not, you know, a lot of times people say they're being different. Really, they may be unique, but they're repeating somebody. It takes courage to be different. You know, even in your own spiritual life, are you really different? Are you distinct? Have you developed perception patterns and processes that identifies you with God? See, that was the problem. You know, with some of the people, they tried to jump and cast out demons in other people's lives and affairs, and they had not dealt with their own demons. And what happened? They got beat by the demons they sought to attack. <laughs> Amen? So, so being different is distinct in our perception patterns and process. And also being different is the connotation, is, is in this connotation a devotion to the nature and the conduct of Christ. See, Christ is our all and all. It's in him that we move, live and have our being. So our distinction ultimately resolves to Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. Thirdly, being different is being diligent to learning the ways of Christ. How many of you can honestly say you have a healthy knowledge and an assessment 
on who Jesus is and why Jesus did what he did. Not only who he is, why, what, when, and how. Hallelujah. Got to learn the ways. Meditate. Give yourself wholly to the things the scripture says, that your property may appear to all. Glory to God. I'm, you know, just kind of combining scriptures to give you some insight on this. This is, this is being different. The third thing we said, the crux test. You know what the crux test is? It's a contrast between apostates and believers. Do you really believe? That's what it is. You, you reexamine to make certain that not only is the conduct and the courage is there, but that there's a fine line, a fine line of belief, a fine line of belief in, 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 in the thing that now, unlike, unlike what historically Christianity was actually given to, to, to turn those followers of Jesus as an insult, the word Christian. So, uh, but we embrace that and we, we, we learn that Christians, uh, Christian conduct is a way of life. So Christianity always emphasized to the believer that we ought to exemplify the life and the nature of Christ in pattern, in process, and in precept. Right? So what apostates are, apostates are a person who has abandoned one's way of life. They have, they have abandoned principles and have lacked the causes as to why they do what they do that merits righteousness. So ultimately the attack is on righteousness, and if the attack is on righteousness, is as a result of lack of truth. So a believer has resolved simply to live by faith and not by sight. Living by faith is living based on beliefs and acting on those beliefs that have been merited as the directors of God. That you know. So listen. The resolve, thirdly, is to, to distinguishing the two, uh, the two as far as apostates and believers is the teaching or doctrine, as the second John emphasizes, and gives Christ's work of redemption to, as a result to the finished work of the cross and the promise of the Holy Spirit. So this is what you do. You don't go through inspecting. You don't look at what people do. You look at what people believe. Did you hear what I said? You don't really want people to do because people can do something and have the intent to be right and be wrong. And then God's grace can, can restore them back in the right standing because they just have an error in their translations of righteousness or their translations of conduct because people make mistakes. But if you want to find out really if they really are believers, check out their belief system. And if their belief system don't have basis on Christ's teachings, Christ's ways, and Christ's work, and that work being completed. Now, here is where I want to talk a little bit about before I end this lesson. Um, people have a distorted role of redemption, and I, I'm going to teach this uh, uh, in other lessons in various forms, especially this year when we're focusing on manifesting sonship in, in, in the broadcast we're dealing with that. And this, this lesson kind of hits. If the finished work of Christ doesn't result in righteousness, then it's not finished. And righteousness is as a result of the revelation of the truth that we have to live right. 
based on right beliefs and right behavior that we practice from day to day. If the, if the motive behind it is Jesus Christ not achieving everything we needed to be able to do it, then the teachings that we're teaching, hallelujah, are contrary to what is presented in the scripture. Because Jesus' role in was to give us confidence to live this Christian life through and by the Holy Spirit based on him completing everything he needed for us to have right standing with God. Now, if he didn't do that, then whatever concepts we have around him is not him. And that's where we get a lot of familiar spirits and doctrines and few uh, counter uh, doctrines that are conflicting, especially in the teachings of grace, redemption, salvation, sin, uh, the love of God, the life of God, the spirit of God, when those things are not properly taught and understood, as will be taught in this, this and has been taught for the last eight years when we've been on this broadcast, then you're going to find that there, uh, it's hard uh, to live this Christian life. All right. So, Christ's work of redemption is the result is what resolves itself through the finished work of the cross and the promise of the Holy Spirit. And so, what what happens is fourthly, we get certainties of faith. Certainties, you know, the certainties, our confidences that that prove that are are proven through truth. Confidences that are proven through truth are certainties. And and, and and we have certainties because of faith. One, we know God said it. God is not a man that he should not nor is he the son of man. Anything that's related to him don't have to change what they say because God does what he says he's going to do. So 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 we learn to to live by faith and not by sight, to certainty. And the certainty is faith Void of action is dead. That's number one. It's quite simple. I'm teaching you faith. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. So we look after Jesus. We, we focus on Jesus, and as we focus on Jesus, Jesus finished what he started. He came here to, to seek and save the lost. He seek and he saved the lost, and he left, and he gave the Holy Spirit to enable us to do the same thing that he did. So if we go and seek and save the lost, the lost will be sought and saved. Hallelujah. And as a result of him finishing, we, we should finish. And faith motivates us to finish what we start. What are we starting? We are, we are starting to obey what God has told us to do. So faith's void of action is dead. Faith's voice is the word of God. Did you hear what I said? Faith's voice is the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How can you hear without a preacher? The preacher is supposed to preach the word of God. As a result of him preaching the word of God, the faith of God develops in your life. Faith cometh by hearing. So if you want to grow in faith, you've got to grow in the word because the word is the voice of faith. Did you hear what I said? Faith's voice is the word of God. And faith's victory is when the believer's actions or what they believe are the directors of God are applied to their life. 
You act on what you believe. Faith's victory is you acting on what you believe. Faith's void of action is dead. Faith's voice is the word of God. And faith's victory is you acting on what you believe. Now, what qualifies this? Our covenant of love. Now, covenant is an unbreakable bond uh, that can only be broken by death. And we, we, we know that death's sting has been swallowed up in the victory of the cross. As a result, man that has accepted Jesus, Lord, Jesus as Lord and their personal Savior will never die. For to live is Christ and to die, the scripture says, is gain. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. If we shut our eyes on earth, we will appear with the Lord and, and, and so forever with we have that as a result of a covenant that he made with us. And that is because through and by his way of life. And that God's love is what establishes our faith, for faith worketh by love. And we understand that God's love is the motive. Faith is the motive. Christianity's life is exemplified in our 
and the courage to be different, in the test that contrasts us between apostates and believers, that we that we would then develop certainties of faith through the covenant. I'm almost out of time, but I want to give answer this one question, and then we will we will qualify this with the principles of if the virtues of if. What exactly is the virtues of if? Now, if you know if is a conjunction that that says if there are proponents, there are two proponents, an uh, 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 objective and an outcome. Right? If the objective is in place and the and the outcome is sure, then the if will be valid. Valid. Do you get my point? So the virtue of if is is this: a virtue is a positive trait or quality that is deemed morally good, and this is valued as the foundation principle or a, a good moral being. So personal virtues are characteristics valued as promoting collective and individual greatness. And that's what we should start our year off on, developing these virtues that are predicated on these ifs that are found in Scripture, and that's where we pick up next lesson. We're going to find out what the Scriptures have to say about this ifs, and they're all predicated on us attaining the truth that we learn. Now, let me give you this as a final note. In the second division of John, uh, the second book, it's only one chapter. It's the only epistle ever written to a woman in the New Testament. And it was, it was written as a private letter that the church could review because of, of the fact that not only did she need to understand uh, of the value of truth, but the but the the whole church needed to understand. Ultimately, John knew that this woman would preserve it and give it to the church 